You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, thanks, Droopy. Good morning. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Paradox Church, and we're so glad that you are joining us for Church Online this morning. I am coming to you from my office where I do so much of my reading and writing um, because today we are going to be talking about the power of story. You are joining us for week two of a series called Outside the Box. And we've been reading through the book of Acts together. In the New Testament of the Bible, you can find a reading plan on Version to join along with us. And it's the story of the early church. What did it look like for them to be a church with no buildings, no services? Well, you can follow along with us as we move from a come and see church to a go and be church. I want to invite you to do something that has never been easier Would you invite someone to church this morning? It is as simple as clicking that share button. You could even tag someone if you want. You can do that right now. If you're new with us here this morning, first of all, I want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. You can follow our page and all of the updates on things that Paradox is doing by liking this page right now. You can join our Facebook group as well. Um, But if you're new, we would love to get to know you a little bit and reach out to welcome you and help you get connected here at Paradox. Would you just like this comment that is popping up right now to let us know that you are new here? Or you can always, if you can't find it, simply type, I'm new in the comments. That's going to help us reach out and again, get to know you and just help you get connected, see if there's anything that we can do for you, because we are here for you here this morning. We want to help you stay connected. That is why we've got all those links over there on the side to my left. You can find updates, everything that you need to know. Um, If you are watching here with us live on Facebook this morning, or you can find things at paradoxchurch.com if you are watching and listening later on. Well, we're going to take an opportunity to do something uh, right now called our offering. It is your faithful giving that helps us to stay on mission as a church to provide help and hope in a home for so many in this time of need. And if you are one of those people, if you've been appreciating what we're doing, we would certainly appreciate your support. You can set that up online at paradoxchurch.com forward slash give. And while you're doing that, I'm going to pray and we are going to get started this morning. Father God, thank you so much for every person that has joined us this morning. It is good to be together even when we're apart. I pray that you would rewrite our stories here this morning, that you would reach in and that you would give hope to the hopeless and help to those that are in need, God. You are close and you love us and you're for us. And we thank you that you have drawn us here this morning. I pray that we would be open to receiving everything that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. You ever been told just to be yourself? 
Maybe you're nervous for a date or you're interviewing for a job or meeting a new group of people for the first time. And somebody says, hey, just be yourself. Now, depending on who you are, right, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. We tend to think of being anyone else sometimes uh, would be a really better situation than being ourself. If looks, confidence, and, and charisma were, were things that we, we had a little bit more of, then we could be confident in who we are and we could just be ourselves. But most of us don't feel that way. Most of us would prefer to be someone, anyone else. Maybe a movie star, right? Movie stars are supposedly nothing like you and me. They wear dresses that we can't afford. They live in houses that we can only dream of. Yet it turns out that in the most painful and personal ways, movie stars are more like you and me than we ever knew before. In 1997, just before Ashley Judd's career took off, she was invited to a meeting with Harvey Weinstein, head of the star-making studio Miramax at a Beverly Hills hotel. It was there when she was astounded and offended by Weinstein's attempt to coerce her into bed. She managed to escape, but instead of keeping quiet about what happened to her, about the kind of encounter that, that could have easily shamed a woman into silence, she began spreading the word. In an interview with Time Magazine, Judd said, I started talking about Harvey the minute it happened. Finally, in October 2017, when Judd went on the record about Weinstein's behavior in the New York Times, she was the first star to do so. The world began to listen. And since then, the hashtag over the last couple of years, the hashtag MeToo has provided an umbrella of solidarity for millions to come forward with their stories too. And what it reminds us all of, that there is power in story. It could be argued that the power of story is unrivaled, unparalleled. It produces a movement without a leader, a, a single unifying tenant. It's that time cover then that became so famous. It was the voices of women that launched a movement. That's what story actually does. It resonates. It inspires. It empowers until it is an unstoppable movement. And every single one of us has that power within us. Believe it or not, your story has the power to remove loneliness, to inspire and empower other people, to give hope, to give words, a voice. It has the power to change lives, and it even has the power to change the world. But very few of us actually utilize that power. Most of us believe that we don't really have a story, or at least not a story worth telling. Some of the things that have happened to us made us who we are get locked away inside of a box of fear and guilt and shame. We're afraid of what others might think, what other people would say, or what would happen to us if we did. 
come forward. We think perhaps if I were a celebrity, a public figure, figure, or if I had more boldness, then I could do it. But even those people are not immune to the effects of this. Allie Raisman, similarly, she's a U.S. gymnast, and she was one of the leading voices in the Larry Nasser sentencing, but she certainly was not the first. She's quoted as saying, I didn't think I would be here today in, in that sentencing trial. I was scared and I was nervous. It wasn't until I started watching the impact statements from other brave survivors that I realized I too needed to be here. So many of us live in that afraid place, don't we? We live afraid. We believe lies about ourselves or about our story. We believe that we are alone, maybe unlovable, that our situation is hopeless. And in doing so, we miss our greatest impact. Fear keeps us inside of the box. We think we need an outside-the-box story to be used in outside-of-the-box ways, but the truth is you have a story. It's not a question of if. It is a question of what, and your story matters. There's power in it, but the key to unlocking that power is finding it. Acts 7 versus, uh, Acts 7, well, Acts 7 to 9. We're going to cover a lot of crown today, actually. Uh, and those chapters tell the story of two very different men, Stephen and one named Saul, who found their stories in very similar places. The story actually gets set up in Acts chapter 6, verses 8 to 12. And it says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. And the rest of chapter 7, actually is one of the most famous messages that's ever been preached. It's one of the greatest stories that's ever been told because Stephen tells the story of the Israelite people and how every single chapter of that story, throughout all of history, every moment, from, from stars of the faith, guys like Abraham, to Joseph, Moses, David, Solomon, Every single one of them actually tells a greater story, points to someone greater, Jesus. I encourage you, if you have some time, read Acts chapter 7. It is a magnificent story, but it tells a greater one. Your story is found in a greater story. See, our identity is always shaped by the greater story that we identify with. There are websites right now, I see commercials for them all the time, that promise to help us find our family roots. And in doing so, they offer the promise of self-discovery, identity, history, meaning. Where we came from shapes 
who we are and, and where we're going. But the question today is this, what story have you been living out of? Today, I want to invite you to live in and from God's story. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. And some of those same chapters that are in God's story are actually elements, chapters of every great story. That is why movies, books, some of the stories that we hear about people's lives resonate so deeply within us because embedded within them is these very same elements. God's story, and each one of ours, starts with creation, has a fall, leads to a place of redemption, and then into a story of restoration, something bigger than that. Genesis tells us in, in the beginning that God created everything, everyone, every person. It doesn't exactly tell us how, but it does tell us that God created that's our beginning. That's your beginning. And not only that, it tells us why God created every one of us. Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5 puts it this way. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God creates the world and everything and everyone in it, everyone that would ever be in it, and God's world is good. People are living in good and right relationship with God himself, with every other person on the face of the planet, with every animal, with the earth itself. Everything and everyone in the world is good in God's creation. And just like God's story, your story has a beginning, a creation moment, a time, a place where things were good, things were right, Think about this. If you're, if you're trying to identify that in your own life, think about who or what most shaped your understanding of yourself. What were the sources of your sense of personal value and identity? Now, most of us have something like that, but the best place that we could possibly find that starting point is in Jesus that's why the Bible talks about us being recreated, made new, beginning again when we start a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the greatest starting point. Two other people in, in, this, in this story, Peter and John, friends of Jesus, some of his earliest followers, actually, just a few chapters earlier, had healed a man. He was lame. He couldn't move from birth. And he's offered a new hope, a new beginning, a new creation in Jesus. Check it out in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Just after healing this man, Peter and John say, Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? 
Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. We try to do that, don't we? We try to take the things that are wrong in our lives, the things that aren't good, and we try to find healing, wholeness in other places. But Jesus is the start of every great story. He's the only way for things to be good in our relationship with God, ourselves, others, the world. The sad thing is that even when we find that place in our lives, things don't stay that way, do they? Even if you could transport back to a time when you were a kid and things were good, or a time in your relationship when things were good, it seems like at some point along the way, things always tend to go wrong, don't they? Good starts to go bad. Things don't work out the way that we hoped. There's always some sort of fall. And the fall is something that every one of us experiences at some point in our lives. We all have something that's happened in our lives that was, that was broken. In, or in other words, it, it's not the way that God created you. It's not the way that God created things to be. It may or may not be God's intention for you. And it may or may not even be your fault. We all have relationships that have gone bad. Health, addictions. Maybe for some of us it's a bad choice or just an unfortunate circumstance. But for every single one of us, we experience a fall. Ephesians 2 puts it this way. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. The Bible tells us that each of us used to live this way. Each of us has lived out of a fallen, imperfect, broken place inside of our hearts. I want to ask today, what, what types of sin have you fallen into? And if you're honest, really honest, have you ever considered the effects of that in your own life, for your kids, for the people around you, for those that love you? For the rest of the world, sin always has consequences. It always has an effect. When we live from a place of brokenness, it leads us to more brokenness, ultimately to death. Perhaps you've been a victim of someone else's brokenness, and you've experienced pain, suffering at their hand. And for that, I can only say I'm so sorry that that's been a place of pain and suffering. It was not God's intention for you. But when we live out of those places, every one of us has things that we will use to try to fix our life, to try to fix those places of pain, brokenness, incompleteness, 
unwholeness, disharmony. And if it's not Jesus, it just won't work. But we continue to look to those things. The beautiful thing, though, is that God doesn't leave us in our brokenness. He wants to use it. He wants to redeem it. He wants to make something beautiful out of it, something useful, something good again from that place of pain, from that place of brokenness. He wants to bring healing and wholeness. But it's in those hard times, right, where our story is actually forged. Our stories are found in a greater story, God's story, but they are forged in hardship, in pain, in suffering, in brokenness. Forged actually means to make or to shape something. It's when a hard object is put into a heater, a furnace, or a fire and melted down until it becomes shapeable, moldable, when it is hammered into a different shape. There's often hardship and pain and suffering in our lives. Those are realities for everyone. It's a reality of our broken world, a reality that many of us are experiencing in all too painful ways right now, personally, really. And while those things are not God's intention ever, God does have intentions in them for you in the midst of it. His word tells us all throughout scripture that God is working in all things for the good of those who love him. That what the enemy intended for evil, God actually intended that same circumstance, that same person, that same mistake or choice or place of brokenness for something greater, for good. And Stephen experienced that a little bit more than his fair share. He had hardship, he had pain, he had suffering. He was not popular, he was rejected. He was even beaten. And ultimately, he was killed. In Acts 9, verse 54, this story picks up when it says the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. And they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Interestingly, forge also means to produce a copy or an imitation of something. And it's especially in moments like this, in the fallen places of our lives, the brokenness, the hardship, the pain and the suffering, that God actually wants to forge Jesus in you. For Stephen, he experienced hatred, beating, death. But even in the middle of it, that is not what Stephen saw. Stephen saw God 
in the middle of it. And God does the same thing in our own lives. He takes the most ugly parts and he wants to use them to create something beautiful, a masterpiece. He wants to turn our graves into gardens. That's what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7 says. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, our choices, those broken places, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. He turned another grave into a garden. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Isn't that an interesting way to say that? God can point to us as, a, as examples of his grace, his mercy, his kindness, and his love because of something like Jesus' death and our uniting with him in it. It goes to show us, though, that it's those times when we are united with Jesus in pain, in hardship, in suffering, when God is actually bringing about life and life for every one of us. That good news is always personal. It has to be made personal. It has to be expressed personally. We have to say, yes, I want that life for me. It can't be someone else. It can't be a thought. It can't be something that we learned when we were younger. No, it has to be personal, expressed in the ways that our life is changed by Jesus. I want to ask, how did you come to put your trust in him, to save you, to restore your life back to the way that God intended it to be? Or has your life been rescued and restored by Jesus' death? If you don't have that as a starting point this morning, I want to invite you to do that. If you would like more information, if you want to talk to somebody, if you want to ask questions, or if you want to start again, even from a dark, broken, hurting, or painful place, I just want to invite you to like the comment that is going to go up in just a few moments about how Jesus can do that for you. We would love to reach out personally to you and share a little more with you about you can, how you can start again from even the darkest place in Jesus. Because it's always personal. But while Jesus' redemption is always personal, it's never private. The final chapter of God's story is that he's restoring all things. He's making all things new again. There's a new creation. We're moving from a garden of Eden where things are good to a city of gold where things are good in God's presence, in our lives, in, in our world again. The final chapter of that story is that he's restoring all things and he wants to do it through you, your story. Because not only is your story found in a greater story, God's story, and not only is it forged in hardship, but it is also for others' good. Stephen's story actually ends where Saul's begins. 
Acts chapter 8 says that while Stephen is being killed, there is a man named Saul standing there. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Some of those words just jump out at me, especially in a time like this. Scattered, mourning, in houses, inside the box. God's story, though, even in a setting like that, or in a setting like this, is about to break outside of the box. Why? Because that is what God does. Challenges are not challenges to God. Challenges become opportunities. And it's so amazing to me to reflect on the last few weeks and see all of the good. Yes, good. Do I want things to, to, to be good again? Do I want people to be healthy? Do I want us to go back to some sort of normal? Yes, I do. But I am so thankful for all of the amazing good things that God has done in my own life in my marriage, in my kids, in our church, and in the things that he's doing in our neighborhood and the world. Because of this, challenges are opportunities for God. The end of one story, the pain and suffering and hardship only brings new opportunities and life and growth. No situation, no person is ever too far. It's never too, too far gone or too hard. For our God, and in Acts chapter 9, just after Stephen is put to death, with Saul watching on, Saul meets Jesus and his life, his story, and the stories of so many others because of his story is about to change forever, radically. In the middle of his mess, while he is hell-bent on going one direction, living his own life, Jesus intervenes, stops him right in his tracks. And the story starts in Acts chapter 9. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul is uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. This is exactly what Jesus wants to do for so many of us, for me and for you here today, right now. 
take you from your mission of self-destruction and put you on his mission of bringing life, helping others, giving hope, providing a home for those in need. Acts chapter 9, verse 20 to 21 says that just after this, immediately, Saul begins preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? Yes, everyone was amazed at Saul's story. Why? Because Saul was Saul. Saul was on a path of of destruction, destroying himself, his own life, and everyone around them, destroying the church. If anyone was too far gone, if anyone was too hard to reach, it was Saul, but not even he was. And you are not too far gone. In fact, God often uses our greatest mistakes for his greatest glory in the world. That is why people were amazed at Saul's story, and it's why your story can have so much power. We have an enemy that wants to keep our story inside of the box with fear and shame about what others might think because often they know who we are, where we've been, and what we've done. But God knows those things too, and he chose you, and he reached out to you, and he loves you, and he wants to change your story, flip it upside down, and write a new one outside of the box because he has purpose for you. Things that will amaze those that will hear your story. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 says. God saved you by grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's not something that you were able to do on your own by your own good works. No, you know the places that you've been. You know who you are. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And then it goes on to say this. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Your life is God's masterpiece. Left with the pen in our hands, we write tragedies. Left with the controls, we make a mess. But Hebrews 12 verse 2 says that God is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And God is waiting to write a story with your life, to turn your tragedy into victory, to turn your grave into a garden, if you'll let him. As we close here today, I just want to say, if you want to pray with somebody, if you want to take that first step of beginning to let go of the pen of your own life and find your story in God's story, even in the middle of your hardship, because God has such great plans for the good of you and others in it, I would love for you to like the comment that's going up right now. And someone will reach out personally to pray with you, to talk with you. We would love nothing more than to be able to do that. And as the band comes up to lead us in this next song, we're also going to take communion. 
There is a guide for your time. You can, you can use whatever you can find around your house, all right? Pop, coffee, water, juice, whatever you got, uh, bread, an Oreo cookie, all right? Um, but there's also a guide to kind of guide you through what it's going to look like as we take communion together over this next song in each one of your homes. That guide can be found at paradoxchurch.com forward slash the box. I want to encourage you again, reach out to somebody, like that comment. If you want to pray with someone, we'd be happy to do that right now and head over to that link to download the uh, outside of the box communion guide. Paradox, as we get into this next song, I just want to let you know you are loved just as you are, not as you should be, but God loves you way too much to let you stay that way. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.